pray this finds everybody having a blessed, wonderful day. Uh, looking forward as the Christmas season is approaching quickly. Um, looking forward to getting back also into our time here in the book of James. Um, last week, we really focused on just one aspect of the first part of verse 19. And <clears throat> we talked about the idea of uh, hearing and listening. And uh, we looked at uh, the passage here from James that everyone should be quick to listen. Uh, we, we really kind of stayed there. And um, I was encouraged. I had uh, talked to a few people um, who had listened um, to the podcast last week and said they were actually able to um, implement that and to be able to share that with some others about what the difference was in hearing and listening. And, and uh, so it encourages me to know that uh, at least the podcast is applicable uh, to where you can put it into practice. That's the whole point of it. We don't, uh, it's not about just giving knowledge. It's about being able to, to uh, share things that, that are able to be put into practice on a daily basis. And so um, we're going to pick uh, back up in verse 19, but we're going to be looking at the other two aspects um, today. <clears throat> of course, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this in verse 19 of James chapter 1. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. <clears throat> so we're going to look at the idea of being slow to speak and slow to anger. Last week was being quick to listen. We talked about why that was hard because it involved time, patience, selflessness, and sacrificing your own thoughts and desires for someone else. So what does James really mean? When he's talking about this idea of being slow to speak and slow to anger, because what I want you to understand is these go together, okay? Um, so first of all, there uh, one commentator made this statement. His name is Burdick. He said, a continual talker cannot hear what anyone, what anyone else says, and by the same token, will not hear God speak to them. So a continual talker cannot hear what anyone else says, and by the same token, will not hear God speak to them. All right? Now, one of the things that I have challenged, for instance, um, those that I personally disciple and even the church with at times is this. When was the last time that you did not come to God with all your prayer requests, but you just sat down and said, God, I'm going to get still and I just want to hear from you? When was the last time that we just said, you know what, God, I want to listen and I want you to share your heart with me? Most of the time, when we think about prayer, we think that prayer is me simply coming to God with my needs and my wants, sharing them with Him, doing an in Jesus' name, and then walking away and just waiting for God to kind of do stuff. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is meant to be a dialogue, not a monologue. And many times the reason why we struggle to hear prayer requests being answered is because we're not spending time listening for the response that maybe God is wanting to give us. And that makes it really tough. Here's two verses to be able to look at as we look at this concept of slow to speak. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 says, 
when there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who controls his lips is prudent. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. That's a big, powerful statement. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven: The one who has knowledge restrains his words, and the one who keeps a cool head is a person of understanding. So these are two passages here in the book of Proverbs that, that continue to help us with this mindset of slow to speak. And uh, what it does is it's not saying that you should walk around and your primary goal in life is not to speak to anybody. And, and I think that's the, that's the thing. I think I've mentioned this many times. I, I, I like Warren Wearsby. And he made a comment. He said, if there was ever another beatitude, it would be blessed are the balanced. Um, I think that balance is something that we miss so bad in our own lives, in our culture, in churches. Um, We miss balance so badly because we live in a day and time of extremisms. Um, Think about, even think about our emotions, How often are our emotions just balanced? We're either high or low. We're either um, angry or happy. We're either, you know, sad or joyful. Um, There's very, very rare times that you can find people that are balanced. And um, to be able to just find people that are settled. And I think that's, that's the same thing when it comes to our speech. There's a time that we need to talk, but there's also a, a, a time we need to listen. And I think what we can understand is that we gain more knowledge by listening. Um, uh, here, here's another thing that I try to tell people that I'm discipling. Leaders are readers. Um, I believe that you need to be, of course, reading God's Word. And so if I'm discipling someone, I will ask them, hey, where are you at reading God's Word? But I believe you need to always be having a book um, that you're reading. Um, uh, and, and I think that one of the things you can do is, is have a book that you know is going to help guide you in an area of uh, maybe something that you're learning. But I always tell people to find a book about something that you don't have a clue about and be able to read that too. Um, I know right now I'm reading a book called All Who Are Weary. And uh, it's a book based on the passage from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And in reading that book, one of the things that I'm finding from that is uh, how often we don't understand that we're carrying yokes we should never have to carry. And I'm gaining knowledge. And really what I'm doing is I'm listening as I'm reading this book. And what what, what we can do is by reading, we can spend as much time listening as we do talking. And that's why when you go back to this statement here, the one who has knowledge restrains his words. One of the things that you find is the more that you listen and the more knowledge you gain, the more you realize sometimes you don't have to talk. I'll even take it a step further. I've told my wife sometimes, all you have to do is let somebody who is ignorant open their mouth and they take care of themselves. You don't even have to debate them. You don't even have to, to kind of speak against what they're saying. They show that they don't have any knowledge about stuff. And it's, it's, 
it's people that love to just constantly give you their opinion on things. Um, and it's what we would refer to as a know-it-all. And most of the time, those are the people that love to hear themselves talk. See, whether it's with other people or with God in prayer, we are more prone to want to share our thoughts and feelings rather than listen. I've seen a meme here not long ago, and the meme said, "We." and I think I shared this last week as well, but we listen in order to respond rather than listening to learn. We live in such a day and time to where we feel like we have to respond to everything. So every time somebody is saying something to me that they want me to respond, well, not necessarily. Sometimes people say things because they're just sharing something with you. They don't need you to respond. But because of social media, because of the culture in which we live in today, we, we truly believe that we have to respond to everything. And so we listen to respond rather than listening to learn. And what we find is that most of us really aren't learning anything, and we think that we have all of this knowledge, and we think that everybody wants to hear from us. And I'm going to make a statement that is going to sound really ugly, but it is what it is. Not everybody cares about your opinion. And guess what? Sometimes your opinion doesn't matter. And I know that we think that everybody should be able to share their opinion. No, sometimes people need to just be quiet because your opinion doesn't matter, and your opinion shows your level of ignorance on a certain situation. I'll give you an example. All right? This is one that is really big with a lot of people. Now, of course, we moved from Virginia, and, and I'm going to share this example. My mother-in-law was at a hairstylist, and there was this lady in there who's, and of course, it's these blanket statements that show stupidity. Oh, I'm telling you, our kids today are just so horrible. I can't believe how horrible our kids are in the culture today. If we could just bring back paddling back in schools, I'll tell you, that would fix everything. And my mother-in-law, who has been a teacher for over 30-some years, looked at her and said, you know, ma'am, my wife actually teaches at a school where paddling is allowed. And she said, guess what? My daughter said she can't tell a lick of difference between the kids at a school that she was at previously that didn't paddle and the kids at the school right now where she's at that still do paddle. And she said the lady's eyes got as big around the saucers and she said she didn't speak the rest of the time. You know why? Because she just showed her stupidity and her ignorance by making some kind of blanket statement that she had no knowledge about. And that's what we do. We love to sit down. I'll take it a step further. You think about the statements that we make when it comes to immigration. Every immigrant that's crossing the border is a murderer, a rapist, and a drug dealer, aren't they? No, they're not. No, they're not. But we make that statement, don't we? We make the statement that everybody that is of this skin color does this, or everybody of this ethnicity does this. And we don't realize the level of ignorance we're showing by opening our mouth and speaking about things that we have no clue about. We do it in the church. We'll sit down and we'll make blanket statements. Because, see, here's the, here's the other thing of why the whole slow to speak is so important. Because I'm going to tell you, you say something about me, I'm going to come and I'm going to challenge you face to face on it. When I first moved down here to Georgia, 
I had some very unkind comments made about me in the community by certain, you know, people. And you know what I did? I went to the source. I said, you give me evidence that this right here is true. And you know what? They had no idea how to handle it. Because we believe that we have the authority to be able to make blanket statements about people with no repercussions. We believe that we can say whatever we want to say with no accountability. Well, I'm going to tell you, you say something about me, I'm going to hold you accountable to it. And the reason being is because I'm not going to say stuff about you with blanket statements. And just sit down and say, well, you know what, all redheads act like this, or all brown-haired people act like this. No. See, everybody cannot be put into categories. And so what we do is we spend all this time talking about things and talking about stuff we don't even have a clue about. And we cause so much more damage. James in chapter 3 here, and we're going to get there eventually, talks about how that the tongue is like a wildfire. And it can cause so much damage. We have no idea how much damage our tongue can actually cause by just saying something about somebody. Because see, here's the problem. You may have good intentions and you may say something, but you don't realize what that per- that other person that you just said is going to take it and do with it. And see, we also don't realize too, when it comes to our time in prayer, how that because of the way that we talk, we may be living in sin. And that's why God's not answering our prayers. See, when we gossip about people, and and God, let me tell you something. You're not going to mask gossip by constantly walking up to somebody and saying, have you heard about so-and-so? You know, I'll I'll share this with you so you can pray for them. You're not sharing that with them so that they can pray for them. Guys, that's gossip and that's sin. Because you're probably not even sharing the right part of the story. You're sharing the part of the story that you've kind of twisted and made out to be a whole lot better and juicier than what the original is. And see, here's the thing. God is not going to move and answer prayer requests in our lives if we're sitting here and we're openly living in sin because of our tongue. See, sometimes our talking keeps us from getting the answers or results we're seeking. Sometimes you wonder, well, why why don't people trust me or why don't people respect me? Maybe it's because the fact people know what you do with your mouth. Maybe it's because people realize that they couldn't trust you as far as they could throw you because they know what you're going to do. Maybe the reason why you're not being able to get anything from God is because God is sitting here telling you you're not listening to nothing. You're not slow to speak. All you're doing is you're, you're, you're constantly talking. You're constantly using your tongue in order to be able to not spread the gospel, not edify others, not encourage others, but actually to tear down others. Because see, this is where I really want us to, to, to finish up here with the slow to speak, and that's this. And I want you to, to think about this for just a moment. If you really want people to listen to you, have you ever noticed that sometimes you may change the story from what it actually is? This goes back to that idea of gossip. What I mean by this is, 
by sharing the truth. People may not listen to you. You may not be able to have that audience that you want. So you just change a few details. You change a few details because you want people to listen to you. You want people to be able to give you their attention. See, really what it boils down to is this. For people who have a problem being slow to speak, you are desiring notoriety. You're desiring attention. You want acknowledgement. And here's the problem. It is a sick cycle that if you get involved in it, it is very hard to get out of. Here's what I mean. If you're desiring for people to notice you and you feel like the only way you can is by being able to talk an awful lot, go back to that Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. See, what happens is we want people, by, by us speaking, we get people's attention. So the more we speak, the more attention we're going to get. Sometimes we may not be that interesting or what we're talking about may not be that interesting. So we have to come up with a few things. We may have to make some, what we would refer to as white lies. We may have to be able to change stories just a little bit in order to keep getting that attention, in order to keep getting that notoriety. And because we have to speak an awful lot to get that attention, sometimes that changes on us. And so now what's happened is we're bringing a lot of damage to other people's lives. We're bringing damage to our own life. And we don't even realize it. See, the tongue will set a fire that you're not even aware of. And so instead of being slow to speak, what we are is we're speaking in order to gain attention and notoriety. And now the problem in lies, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do whenever the only thing that you can do is speak to get attention, but yet now nobody's listening? Because see, eventually what's going to happen is that fire's going to burn out. All that attention and everything's going to burn out for this reason. People are going to realize, you know what, you can't be trusted or they don't tell you the truth or whatever it may be. See, there's all of those things that come with it. And sometimes what you find is that you don't have to be able to do a whole lot of talking in order to be able to make a point. You don't have to do a whole lot of talking in order to be able to get people to listen. You don't have to do a whole lot of talking in order to be able to speak truth. A lot of times the truth is very simple. The lie is what's long. So when it comes to this idea of being slow to speak, allow it to just be something to where you don't have to go around and show how smart you are or how much knowledge you have or, or all of these different things. Just... Allow yourself to be able to listen more than you speak, because here's why. When you're slow to speak, it tells us here that, that it's going to help us to be slow to anger. Okay? If you speak an awful lot, there could be an awful lot of anger. Owis Hawkins makes this statement. He says about slow to anger. 
He said this verse says to be slow to become angry. It does not say that we are not to become angry, but that we are to be slow in doing so. We are to have a godly anger against sin, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. This is what Burdick says. Anger will close the mind to God's truth. A fiercely argumentative attitude is not conducive to the humble reception of the truth. See, if you, if you notice, most of the people who love to be able to hear themselves talk have an argumentative attitude. They're those kind of people that if you disagree with them, they're the kind of people that if you try to give them a different perspective or point of view, man, they're going to fire back. They're not going to listen, and they're going to have that argumentative attitude. I'll even give you an example. I remember this was back when we lived in Virginia. We had just started our church plant, and we were we had uh, just started giving out. You know, there's a lot of places now that do the backpacks for Appalachia. We were actually um, kind of at the beginning of that that of giving away backpacks there in the Appalachia region because we lived right there. Um, and we were going through the community and we were, we were driving around passing out backpacks. And I remember we went into a specific community and this is what I told everybody. As you're driving around, look for uh, play sets, bicycles, whatever it may be, toys in the yard that would let you know that kids are there. And if there are, just stop by, knock on the door, and just say, hey, we're from Grace Fellowship, and what we would like to do is um, be able to provide your children or grandchildren um, a free backpack with school supplies in it and, you know, no strings attached whatsoever, just want to be able to help provide this during the Christmas time for the beginning of the upcoming year. And, man, there was so many people that were receptive. We pulled into this one yard, and um, I remember I knocked on the door, and I had someone with me because uh, we went in pairs, and I knocked on the door, and this lady come, and she said, I don't know what you're selling. I said, well, ma'am, I'm not selling anything, as a matter of fact. I said, um, we're here, and I, I shared, you know, the story, and I said, we're just here. I said, we noticed that, you know, you had some some toys and some, uh, you know, had a big play set in your yard. So we figured you either had children or grandchildren. And we just wanted to offer a, uh, you know, if you all needed some help with some school supplies or, you know, free backpack or whatever, this is for you all. And we just wanted to see if you would be, if, if we could help you all out or some way. Well, I'm telling you right now, I don't need no help from nobody. My my husband's a deacon down here at the other, at this church. And, and you know what? We don't need you all around here soliciting. Now, whether this was right or wrong, I'll tell you the first words out of my mouth. I said, ma'am, I'm going to tell you. With the way your attitude is right here, my first thoughts are not your husband is a deacon at the local church. And I just walked off. And the reason why I say that is because you think about the attitude that that lady showed. And yet she's supposed to be a Christian. Apparently. But see, what we don't realize is that how often do we have this argumentative attitude that is just boiling within us? Because see, you, you may have listened to the first part of this and just said, well, I'm not one of those people that, you know, speaks an awful lot. Well, I'll tell you this. If you're somebody who seems to, to be regularly ready to argue that you have this argumentative attitude about you, 
that if somebody shares a different opinion or somebody gives you some criticism, whether it's constructive criticism or not, or somebody is trying to do something, going back to this lady, somebody's just trying to give you a backpack and all of a sudden you feel like you've got to defend the church that you go to, you might be one of those people who speak too much because you're one of those people that have this argumentative attitude and guess what? Notice what Burdick said here at the beginning. Anger will close the mind to God's truth. See, what what we don't realize is that when we have this argumentative attitude in us, it's based on the fact that we're not listening. We're not listening at all. We're ready to pounce. We're ready to give our opinion. We're ready to, to for our mouth to be the only voice in the room. You know, I've been around my, uh, me and my wife, I have a statement sometimes and, and I'll just tell her, I said, you know what, man, that guy over there loves to hear himself talk. I don't know how many people will remember this, uh, listen to this podcast, but there was a wide receiver. His name was, um, Terrell Owens. And a few years ago, he would used to do these kind of charades to where he would have, he would call in the press and he would sit in his driveway and he would do workouts and stuff. And I remember he made a statement one time and one of the press people asked him, you know, Terrell, why do you do this? He said, cause I love me some me. And I think there's some people that really love them some them and they love to hear themselves talk and they love to be able to hear uh, what they think is knowledge that they're dropping. But it's, it, it's those kind of people that spend the most time talking that become the most defensive about themselves. They have that argumentative attitude, and they're very hard to have a conversation with. They're very hard to talk to because they won't listen. They're more ready to speak than they are to listen. See, one of the key points to see in this is our anger often comes when we aren't listening to God and His Word. So if anger is what is shutting us off, if anger is and, and us talking so much is what's shutting us off to God's Word, then we're not going to be speaking life into people's lives. Who wants to be around somebody who's always in a bad mood? Who wants to be around somebody who's always argumentative? Who wants to be around somebody who every time you try to talk to them, they're not going to listen to you, but they're going to try to constantly tell you what you're doing wrong and give you advice and opinions? That's why one of the things I try to do, and I'm not saying I do it well all the time, but I very rarely try to give anybody any kind of advice unless they point blank ask me. Even when it comes to um, certain questions about the Bible, some people say, well, Jeremiah, what do you believe about this? You know what? I've got my own personal belief, but I'm not going to sit here and share my opinion because I'm not saying my opinion is 100% right. But there's a lot of pastors who they are waiting for you to ask them questions and say, well, what do you think about this? Oh, this is exactly what it is. Any pastor that can tell you they know exactly what God's Word says about topics, man, you might want to back away. I was talking to another pastor yesterday, and we were talking just about this, about how that you know different denominations have beliefs, and you know we may disagree, but who knows if we're really right. And I told him, I said, there's only one thing I know that Jesus made abundantly clear in all of Scripture that there was absolutely no debate about whatsoever, and that's John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the only thing I know. So salvation is by and through Jesus Christ alone. That's it. 
So the one thing we need in order to get to heaven is the only thing Jesus made super abundantly clear. Everything else, guess what? We're going to mess up. Everything else we're going to give our opinion about. There's no way you can give your opinion about John 14, 6. And so sometimes I think what we, as pastors, we love for people to come and talk to us and ask us questions so we can just spout out all kinds of knowledge when half the time we probably don't even know what we're talking about. And sometimes the best way to do it is to not sit down and, and constantly talk, but just to listen. Because then one of the things that happens is if you sit down and you, you know, and it happens with pastors. You get in, you get a, a bunch of pastors in a room together. I'm telling you, sometimes you can't you can't walk around for the chest swelling out because everybody's got to make sure that they have this and they have th- this knowledge. And you know, there's so many pastors that are dying to for somebody to come find them so that way they can be a speaker at a conference or whatever it may be. Sometimes the best thing you can do is not be the one to speak, but the one to sit there and listen. We spend as much time trying to to get people to listen to us as we do just listen. I learned a very valuable lesson. I've been in the ministry now for well over 20 years. I learned a very valuable lesson when it comes to funerals and when it comes to people that are hurting. The best thing I can do is shut up. If somebody has just lost a loved one, I don't need to go into their house and start spouting off a bunch of Bible verses and walk in and tell them it's going to be okay, God's got you, and all that kind of stuff. The best thing I can do is keep my mouth shut, walk in, put my arm around them, and sit there and just listen. But it's amazing. I remember that I had a very similar situation. I had a, I, when, when my mother passed away, I had a pastor come walking in and you know, he, he walked in and he was like, oh, Brother Jeremiah, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. I know exactly how you feel. I looked at him and I said, won't you shut up? You ain't got a clue. Your mother's still alive. You ain't got a clue how I feel. I said, that's the dumbest thing you could have possibly said. And he had no idea what to do. I said, how about you just go ahead and leave because there ain't nothing you're doing coming in here helping and encouraging me by coming in here and lying and telling me you know how I feel. And sometimes we think that as pastors that we're supposed to just come walking in and tell everybody all this stuff. Sometimes as pastors, the best thing we can do is shut our mouths and be able to just listen and hear what people are saying and listen to their hearts and listen to their hurts and walk with them through their hurts. See, here's what I want us to to bring this back to. Sometimes the reason why we are quick to speak rather than slow to speak is because we're trying to fix hurt. And sometimes we don't need to. Sometimes being quick to speak is because we want people to hear us. Sometimes being quick to speak is because we have a problem with attention and we want all that attention brought to us. We've talked about that so far up to this point. But sometimes the reason why we're so quick to speak is because we don't like seeing people hurt and we want to fix it. And guess what? You can't fix nothing. Only Jesus can. And sometimes you show a level of ignorance by trying to walk into a situation that you can't do anything about and trying to fix it with your speech when the only thing you can do is point people to Jesus. And see, 
We've got to understand that if all we're going to do is spend our time trying to open our mouth rather than listening, that potential for anger is going to be there. Because we're going to get angry when people don't listen to us. We're going to get angry whenever we tell people something and they don't do what we say. Or we're going to get angry. You can keep going down the road. Now, there is a holy anger. There's a righteous anger. We see Jesus when he walked into the temple and he flipped the tables and he said, My house should be a house of prayer. You know, they're, they're, we should be angry at sin. We should be angry when we, when we see sin take place. But we're not. As often as we should. And see, what we've got to understand is listening is not just to other people, but to the Lord. So when something bad does happen, if we're spending our time letting the Holy Spirit direct us and we're listening to God, He's going to quell the sinful anger that could potentially arise. See, listening will always help prevent anger. I'll give you another example about how that it prevents anger. Think about a text message. What's the one thing that you get from a text message you don't get from talking to someone in person? You don't get context, you don't get facial expressions, you don't get tone, and you don't get body language. So what's one of the things that usually happens when it comes to text messages? We misinterpret it. So you can't listen to a text message. I mean, you can say, well, yeah, you can because they're audio. Yeah, you can do that. I'm just, most people don't do that, though. Most people just end up sending you a text message. You read it, and it's like, well, I wonder what they mean by that. Well, usually when you're sitting and you're talking with someone, you can if, if you don't know what they mean, you can clarify it. It's like, hey, brother, you know, I heard what you just said. Can you elaborate on that because I'm misunderstanding it? See, what happens is when we spend more time listening, it prevents anger because we get clarity. Listening provides clarity. Hearing can produce anger. Listening provides clarity. Hearing can produce anger. Because, see, when we hear what we want to hear, we can end up getting angry about that rather than listening to what someone is actually saying. See, it goes back to even our time of prayer with God. There's many times people will say, oh, I'm angry at God. Well, why? Because you're not spending any time listening to Him. You've already got things going on in your life. You've already got things going on in your head. And what you're doing is you're sitting here and you're just going to God with anger. You're not listening. And sometimes that's exactly what happens with us. We may not like what someone says, and so we allow the anger to build up in us because we really didn't listen. And that really goes back to criticism. We live in a day and time to where people do not know how to handle criticism. Now, does, does, does everybody give criticism constructively? Well, no. I heard a pastor say one time before, in every bit of criticism, there is a grain of truth. And sometimes, even when people don't know how to give criticism properly and they do it in an ugly fashion, sometimes there's a grain of truth in that and you need to be able to listen. Just because, And see, here's the thing. Not everybody has the best approach. Yeah, we may be having someone who... They have a very ugly tone, a very hateful attitude or whatever it may be, and they may come to you with a hateful attitude and share, fill in the blank. But maybe there's some truth behind that criticism. Their, their approach wasn't bad. I mean, it was, was really bad. But if you're really listening to what they have to say rather than just saying, who in the world do they think they are coming and telling me what to do? 
but you listen to what they have to say, sometimes you'll realize, wow, man, maybe I, I didn't do that right, or maybe I didn't handle that right, or maybe I misspoke there. See, sometimes really what it is is it boils down to our receptivity. And see, you go back again. What do you have to do to be able to be a person who's quick to listen? you got to have... It involves time. It involves patience. It involves selflessness. And it involves sacrificing your thoughts and desires. So here's the thing that I want to be able to bring all of this to as we close here. Jesus is more concerned about you growing you, molding you, and shaping you than he is anybody else. And that doesn't mean that everybody around you is going to speak kindly to you. That doesn't mean that everybody around you is going to listen to what you have to say. That doesn't mean everybody around you is going to respect you. That doesn't mean everybody around you is going to constantly encourage you and edify you. And that also doesn't mean that you're not going to have anger boil up within you. It also doesn't mean that you're the best listener in the world, even though you think you may be. It doesn't mean that you've got all this knowledge that you think you do. See, sometimes what we need to do is we need to, and this again goes back to this daily mentality of just sitting down and saying, you know what, Lord? Help me today to listen more than I speak. And God, help me when I do speak that it's intentional. That it's with truth. And God, guard me from getting angry about things that aren't sin. And if we were to pray that way when we started the day off, I guarantee you it would be amazing how it would would just alter our whole day. Because what we're finding is we're going to spend more time listening to everybody. Everybody. Not just uh, the people we want to. Not just the people who, um, you know, make us feel good about ourselves. But we're listening to everybody. We also will be able to speak with intentionality. And speak with truth to be able to sit down and say, God, when I do speak, let it be productive. Let it be life. Go back to that verse in Proverbs. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. Sometimes, maybe we need to sit down. I think I read the other day that on an average day, a person will speak 16,000 words. Now think about that. If we were to ask ourselves this question, has all 16,000 words that I spoke today brought life and encouraged and edified people? How many of those 16,000 words brought hurt, damage, or death to somebody's life? Was was I really able to guard all 16,000 words? Man, I, I, I don't think I can. As a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and tell you, I know I can't. What if I I, I made my word count go down a little bit? What if I was, instead of spending time doing more talking, I spent more time listening and I let my word count go down? I've got less chance for sin. 
So maybe that's how we can pray and to say, Lord, help me. If I'm going to get angry, help me to be angry with what makes you angry. And again, this is not a sinful anger. Most of us, when we think about anger, we see somebody yelling and finger pointing and and red-faced and all that. No, this is being angry about sin. And it's not just being angry when someone does you wrong. It's when someone is done wrong. It's when we see sinful actions celebrated. That should make us angry. And so maybe today that's it. Maybe it's spin it saying, you know what, God, help me to be, help me to listen more, help my word count to go down. And when I do speak, help it to be with intentionality and encouragement. And help me, God, not to be angry. Now, next week what we're going to do is we're going to pick up on what it means from Ephesians 4, 6 when it says, Be angry and do not sin. We're going to pick up on that because we're going to kind of culminate all of this stuff together. The, be, the, the being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. We're going to bring it all together. And we're going to show what that means. And then we're going to do verses 20 and 21. And we'll finish out this little section here. So hopefully this has been an encouragement and a challenge to you. Hopefully it's given you some tools to be able to use. And uh, I hope that you have a wonderful Christmas. I pray that you enjoy your family uh, if you're able to be with them. And uh, being able to uh, enjoy some time reflecting on why we are celebrating Christmas in the first place. Uh, Also, I pray that if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, that you would understand that He died for your sins, that uh, He paid your sin debt, and that He was buried in a borrowed tomb, rose on the third day, and ascended to the Father, and is coming back to get us because He wants us to be with Him for all eternity. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, repented of your sins, and trusted Him as Lord, I encourage you to find someone to talk to today to do that. Also, if you're looking for still looking for a Christmas gift, uh, I encourage you to get on Amazon um, or to get on BarnesandNoble.com, and you can check out the book I wrote, "The Reality of the Enemy," and be able to give that away as a Christmas present uh, to be able to help someone to understand a little bit deeper about spiritual warfare um, and be able to uh, let that be a good read for them or maybe even for yourself. So I pray that you have a blessed, wonderful Christmas. We look forward to being able to get back together next week, next Wednesday, and I pray that you have a blessed day.